All right, today we're going to talk about name-calling. Okay, you weren't expecting that. Uh, if you've watched the news, you might have seen some name-calling. If you uh, have noticed we were in an election cycle, you might have seen some name-calling along the way. In fact, we just, have a, we just live in a contentious society. And there's a lot of name-calling going back and forth, and I mean, probably no worse than if your kids are involved in youth sports. I mean, there's a lot of name-calling, and it's not the kids, it's the parents about the other parents and about the, it's crazy. But we're not actually gonna talk about that kind of name calling today. It's gonna be a different one. Almost 13 years ago, our second son was born and we called him Atticus Joshua Geary. Now Atticus is named after Atticus Finch of one of our favorite books, To Kill a Mockingbird. And I do realize that that character has been reimagined in the past five or six years and they have every right to be wrong. We chose the name Atticus because he represents, and that name represents to us, justice and honor and love and equality and brotherhood and things like that. And we like things like that. So we chose first name Atticus and then middle name Joshua. And we intentionally chose the name Joshua because a long time before Atticus was even born, a good man lived by that name. He was a good-looking, smart intelligent, well-spoken, articulate kind of a man. Some would even say courageous, and others would say he looks good in a sweater. And I'm, of course, talking about Joshua, the son of Nun. It's in the Old Testament. You may have heard of him. He's uh, to the right of Deuteronomy and just to the left of the judges. Great guy, that Joshua. So that's why we, we chose that name. So when it came to name calling, regarding our second son, we chose Atticus Joshua deliberately with the hope that he might and, and we might somehow set him on a course towards those things which those names represent. And uh, we did it before he was even born. Before he was born, we did it. And I know that many of you have done the same, correct? Um, had we named him afterwards, before I move on, we might have named him Dash. You know, you learn things afterwards, but we named him before. Uh, we might have named him Dash because I remember whenever Amber was pregnant with Atticus, she would say, this kid, there's something different about this kid. He's doing somersaults and he's running laps and he's spinning. And I mean, Bennett never did that, but this kid is all over the place. So we might have picked Dash, or we may have picked Blaze. Atticus loves a good fire. Uh, of all my children, he will be the one to help me build the fire pit and uh, collect the wood, and he will be the one that helps me with the, with the fireplace and the, if we're doing it inside. And, and, and then we'll just catch him occasionally out in the front of the house with some leaves and a magnifying glass or sticks and a lighter, and that's not a time or two, that's a lot of times that we've done that. Uh, and that's just something he just, he loves to do. And he was in Royal Rangers, so he knows how to do it cautiously <clears throat> until about a week ago, no, about a month ago, uh, Bennett texts us something like this, hey, uh, dad, mom, and then he just sends us this picture. <laughs> and my mother, or his mother, jumps in the car, drives home, and uh, what happened here was 
I had asked Atticus to fold the recycling and tear down those boxes and put them in the recycling bin. But lo and behold, the recycling bin was full. And so this was the next obvious <laughs> solution. So we could have called him Blaze. And, and actually later that night, this is the same day. Oh, you would have been so proud of us. We came home, Amber helped out. I came home and I said, you know what? I remember, I remember. My mom doesn't even know this, probably. I remember sitting on my bed, on the, on the bunk bed, the top bunk, and I had a firecracker in my room. And I thought, I'm gonna light this black cat. But then just before it hits the black cat, I'm gonna pinch it out. That was a, that's about as far as I thought about that. <laughs> so I lit that thing and, I, and then I pinched it. Oh, it burned my finger and I just dropped it and jumped off the bed and poof, just blew a hole in my bedspread. <laughs> so I did what any boy would do. I flipped that bedspread over. <laughs> and I don't know if my parents found that for a long time. So I could have called him Blaze. I could have called him something else. I know where he gets it. And I could have called him Kyle. You say, why Kyle? Well, that's because I pulled up this article this, this week and doing my research, and it says, people with these names are clumsiest, most accident-prone in America, data shows. It says, a pre-settlement funding service recently discovered that the names of the clumsiest people in the United States uh, were Kyle, Blake, Brian, Ryan, and Daniel. So if you're any one of those, you have been deemed to be of the clumsiest names in America. And what they did was they like looked through all the people who they have to call the ambulance on, and those were the names that came to the top of the list. And I don't want to leave you ladies out. If we have any Haley's, you're also number one. And I realize there are 19,000 ways to spell that, and they all count. Also, Taylor, Linda, Barbara, and Kimberly. And the article goes on to say, names are an important aspect of our lives, whether we're deciding what to name a new edition or dealing with the name given to us. They're a huge deal, said Jared Stern, owner of this legal funding group. There's even science out there to suggest that our names can have an impact on our lives with the power to affect our personalities and even our physicality. And then it goes on and on and on. Names are important. And in fact, God is still calling people names. He's still in the name calling business. But it's not to hurt your feelings like it was back in junior high. It's actually to set you on the right course. It's to remind you of who you're gonna be, who you can be. And God does this before, beforehand. And uh, some would even say he does it prophetically. And then we have the opportunity to fulfill what he has called us to be. And so I want to give you some examples today. And we're going to have a little fun. I know I've got the kids here, so I'm going to try not to put you all to sleep. If that old person next to you is sleeping, <clears throat> right in the side. I don't get him. Wake him up. So we're going to start with Abraham. Abraham was actually born with the name Abram, which means exalted father. And God called him later on to be a father of a great nation. He was supposed to have descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sands on the seashore. And after revealing this to Abram, God then prophetically changes his name to Abraham, which means father of a multitude. 
Exalted Father, God says, I'm gonna do something in you, and actually right now, before it even happens, I'm gonna call you Father of a Multitude. So God names him Abraham long before the promise is actually fulfilled, long before Isaac ever came to be. And I imagine there was a little stretch there where it was kind of awkward, where he was walking around saying, hey guys. They're like, hey Abram. Well, it's actually Abraham. God changed my name. <laughs> well, doesn't Abraham mean, you know, what you aren't? Doesn't Abraham mean father of a multitude? Yeah, yeah, it does. And just call me that, even though I'm not. And I don't know how long that was, Stephen would know, but it was a long time and I'm sure it was awkward and there they are, 90 years old. And, and so again, are you, are you like, are you actually like 100 and your wife's like 90? Are, are you saying you're gonna be a father of multitude? Yes, yes, I am, I think. Yes, I'm going to. And so God does it far before and, uh, and it was prophetically, it was uh, setting his course. Joseph, another guy in the Old Testament. Joseph means he shall increase. And God caused him to receive that name at his birth. His parents called him that. And it means he shall increase. And despite the journey being a little bumpy along the way. I mean, you remember Joseph's story, right? Family rejection, false accusations. He even did some time in the prison. Joseph, despite all that, did increase. He became second in command of Egypt and God reserved, uh, preserved his people through Joseph. And he spoke it way before it happened. In fact, you remember Joseph as a kid, kind of arrogant, telling everybody they're gonna bow down to me and all those kinds of things. He was living with this name, he shall increase. And I have to imagine that when Joseph was in that pit, remember when his brothers threw him in the pit? They wanted to kill him, but then Reuben thankfully steps up and says, let's not kill him, let's just throw him in the pit. And then Reuben was like, I'll go back later and get him and take him back to dad. Well, he comes back later and he's gone. He's been sold into slavery. And I have to imagine that Joseph, when he was in that pit, I bet you he didn't really feel that he shall increase. I think he probably felt like he shall decrease. I think he probably thought that God is not even, not even listening to me right now. God doesn't even know I'm here. This name is not fitting. And he probably felt like that three-legged dog that you've seen on the internet. Have you seen that little picture that's missing, three-legged dog, blind in one eye, broken tail, missing an ear? Answers to the name, Lucky. <laughs> you seen that one? Yeah. <clears throat> Probably felt like that. He's walking around. His name means he shall increase. And his friends are like, hey, Joseph, you still think you're going to be raised up? You think you're still going to be all that? You think you're going to increase? You think you're going to overcome? You think you're going to be a winner? Ha! Quit dreaming. God forgot all about you. But the truth is God had not forgotten about him. The truth is Way back at the beginning, God said, call that boy Joseph. He shall increase, and he did. I mentioned that pit. That pit was in a place called Dothan, and one of the only things I know about Dothan are in the Bible, two things happened there. Joseph was thrown into a pit, and Elisha, that was his home. And Elisha was in his home, and the enemy came around and circled the, the town, and they were gonna destroy the town, and Elisha prayed, God, would you let my servant that's freaking out over here. Would you kind of let him in on what's going on? He said, would you open his eyes? And God opens up the eyes of the servant to see what's really going on. Because how many of you guys know there's a whole lot more going on than you see? There's a whole lot more activity than what we can see with the naked eye. And God opens up that servant's eyes. 
and he sees flaming chariots and horses. You can read about it in 2 Kings chapter 6. Flaming chariots and horses. Yeah, there was the bad guys, and they looked tough, but then there were flaming chariots and horses and angelic army, and they were right there, and God was like, this is what's up. Dothan. I bet you we'd see Elisha. If we were back there, we'd be like, man, God showed up for Elisha. Man, he answered his prayer. God heard that one. And then we were staring at Joseph. We'd say, man, I don't know where God is. He didn't answer his prayer. He didn't show up for, for Joseph. He's stuck in that pit. Oh, no. Oh, no. He's not only stuck in the pit. Oh, he's being rescued by some traveling salesmen. And they pick him up and they take him off to Egypt. They sell him as a slave for 20 pieces of silver. I bet you if we would have seen that, we would have said, man, I don't know what God was up to there, but he was absent. He shall increase? I don't think so. I don't think so. Poor Joseph. God didn't come through for him. Hope he can come through for us, but it didn't happen for them. And yet the truth is, God did come through. God had a plan for Joseph. And part of that plan was to preserve his entire nation. And he needed to get to Egypt to do it. And then when he gets there, he starts rising up the ladder. All the way up to the second in command of the whole place. And he preserves his people. God had a plan. And yet, we wouldn't have seen it in the moment. But yet God knows what he's doing. So there's Abraham, and then there's Joseph, and then next, I want to tell you about Gideon. Gideon is a favorite of mine as well. These are more examples of faithfulness and more example of, uh, examples of prophetic name-calling in the Bible. And the reason I'm telling you these today is I'm trying to boost your faith. I'm trying to remind you that the Lord is at work. So Gideon. God allowed Gideon to be named Gideon which means he who strikes down, which means great warrior. Like in a picture, it means like to cut down a big tree. It means destroyer. And yet Gideon, Gideon was a big chicken. I mean, he was, I, and, I, and trust me, I know what a big chicken is all about. I've been a big chicken many a time. Gideon was big chicken, so timid, so weak, the least of the least. And yet he rescued the Israelites. He became a great judge. He became that which was prophesied over him. He struck down the Midianites. He became a great warrior. He cut down the enemy. Gideon, what a stud. And yet he was a chicken. In fact, before we move on from Gideon, there's a kid in our youth group named Gideon. And right now he's in the hospital. And I would like us to join together and pray for him. He's had a, just a, basically the doctor said his stomach went to sleep. It's just a really weird thing, and it's pretty, it's pretty serious. And there was supposed to be something pretty big yesterday, right? And I haven't heard the report, but I'd like us to take a moment and lift up Gideon. The same God that was with Gideon of old is with Gideon of today. Lord, I pray a healing touch upon our friend Gideon. Lord, I already know this is part of your plan. I already know, I have this great suspicion that you're somehow gonna use this. And yet, even though I'm confident in that, I'm also very confident that he needs your touch right now where he's at in that bed. And so I just ask that your healing touch would meet him where he's at. And those others that are watching online and, and in our church that also need a touch, we invite your presence. We invite your spirit. We invite uh, you to touch them as well. In Jesus' name I pray it, amen. Thank you, guys. All right, so Gideon is another great example of God engaging in name-calling, and he's still doing it today. You might feel like a big chicken, but God might say, actually, you're a great warrior. And uh, 
And it happens over and over and over. In fact, we can look in the New Testament. I want to introduce you to Peter. You might have heard him. He's called Simon Peter. But first, he was just Simon. He was just Simon, the disciple of Jesus. And what that name meant, Simon meant, was to hear. And that's what he did. For years, he was just following Jesus. And he was listening, and he was absorbing, and he was just hearing. And then one day, and you know the story, many of you do. One day, Jesus, some stuff's going down, and Jesus says, you know what? I'm changing your name. I'm going to call you Peter. Greek word Petra, meaning the rock. And you're going to be a rock. And that's what he became. My devotional this week said that Peter, I was talking about Peter, and it said, we see ourselves as we are. We see ourselves as we are, but God sees us as he has called us to be. We see ourselves as we are, but God sees us as he has called us to be. And he's called us to be these things beforehand, prophetically. Our identity is not based upon our past or even our present, but it's based upon our future. Our identity is based upon our future. We are so good at remembering what we did and remembering who we are and thinking that's our identity. But when it comes to the Lord, our identity is actually based upon what he's calling us to be. Even if you're still in the pit or even if you're in the jail or even if you're hiding and you haven't defeated the Midianites yet or even if you haven't had the child, the the dream hasn't come true yet. Even if you're in one of those stages, God still identifies you as Abram, sorry, Abraham, and, and Joseph and these things beforehand because he knows where you're going to be. So we see ourselves as we are, but God sees us as he has called us to be. I'm just thankful that God has called us to be something, aren't you? <clears throat> Other ways to say it is you got to believe it before you see it. Another way to say it is you got to live it before it is. And then Pastor Dan many years ago preached a message. He said you got to faith it till you make it. You gotta faith it till you make it. Not fake it, but faith it until you make it. I remember that. And that's all kind of playing in this same, this same arena. The Lord is prophetic in his name calling and he has called you and me. What's he called me? I don't have a good first name. My mom called me Herbert. I don't even know what Herbert means, but that doesn't sound like Abraham. Well, the truth is there's power in those first names, but I'm not even really talking about Uh, first names you know I'm Joshua I can point back but what if your mom called you Jezebel (laughs) oh dear I mean come on I've met a Jezebel and I'm not just talking about first names I'm also talking about being called to higher things higher ways higher thinking higher living and we are called to higher things in Jesus I put together a list of scriptures to remind us of what the Lord has already prophetically called us to be and we just have to align ourselves with his plan ahead of time he said it and now we just have to step into it so basically we need to live in the future version of us and not what we think we are today so live in the future and not the present or the past so I got this list I just I just googled real fast some things like this who has God called me to be how does God see me what does God think about me and I came up with this list and these are for the believer if you're not a believer some of these don't apply to you. And that's okay. You need to become a believer. <laughs> but these are, these, are, these are accessible to us as children of God. And it's just a list, and I'm gonna go through them. Uh, and what I wanna challenge you to do is, if there's one of these that you're still living in your past or your present and you need to start living in this, then do some business with the Holy Spirit 
right in your seat and just say, Lord, I wanna receive that. I wanna walk in that. I'm doing the other seven, but that one right there is, that's a challenge for me still. And so just recognize that, that the Lord is actually calling you to what he's called you to be, not what you already are. So number one, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Psalm 139, 14. You are valuable. Matthew 10, 31. You are crowned with glory and honor. Psalm 8, 5. So what I'm doing here is if you don't feel valuable, you gotta grab that one and say, oh yeah, oh yeah, God actually says that I'm valuable. You gotta grab that one, you gotta work with that one. You are made in God's image and likeness. Genesis 1, 26. You can have everlasting life. John 3, 16. There are people who fear death because they haven't really received that everlasting life part, even believers. The truth is you can walk in these things and you cannot walk in these things and many of them are not salvific in nature, which is just a fancy word of saying many of them, you can be saved still and not walk in these things. And so the challenge to us is when we hear God's word, we've gotta align with God's word. It may not be our present, but it's our future. It can be our now, we just gotta, we gotta receive it. So you can have everlasting life. You are loved even before you look God's way. Obviously, I've paraphrased some of these. That's Romans 5, 8. You are loved even before. You are born again, 1 Peter 1, 3. You are a child of God, 1 John 3, 2. You are no longer an orphan, John 14, verse 18. You have been adopted, Ephesians 1, 5. These are all truths about us. You have a heavenly father, 1 John 3, 1. Some of y'all don't have a, a great earthly father like I do you have a heavenly father and I have a heavenly father and he will meet all those needs that you have that where you feel like you're in lack you are a new creation second Corinthians 5 17 you are no longer dead in sin but alive in God Romans 6 11 you are free from the slavery of sin and death you are free from the slavery of sin and death you could be saved right now and yet you're still not feeling free from sin and death. You are free, says the Lord. You are now righteous because of Jesus, Romans 4, 5. You are righteous. You don't feel righteous, you are righteous. He's clothed you with righteousness. Quit taking the jacket off, leave it on. He's clothed you with righteousness. That's one of the, the benefits of knowing Jesus. You have been saved by grace, Ephesians 2, 8. You have been justified by faith, Romans 5, 1. You are a part of the family of God. Luke 8, 21. These are all promises declared ahead of time prophetically for you. Prophetically, for, prophetically spoken over you and me as believers. And yet as humans, we often find it really difficult to do what God has called us to do and even to be what God has called us to be. Have you noticed that? It's difficult. And uh, for example, in Genesis chapter one, if you go back to the creation story, this is an interesting tie-in. He, God says, let there be light, and there was light. He spoke it first, which is prophetic, he spoke it first, and then it was. There was light, and there was planets, and there was land, and sky, and vegetation, and fish, and animals. He spoke it, and then it was. There wasn't, he spoke it, and there was. That's the pattern of God. There wasn't, he spoke it, and there was. And that's how it is with us too, except, unlike nature, we don't have to cooperate. We have been given a free will, which is a wonderful gift. 
Absolutely wonderful gift. And yet we have to recognize the danger is the Lord can have every desire and intention to do a work with us, in us, through us, and if we don't cooperate, it will not happen. Nature doesn't have this problem, but we do. It's a problem and it's also an opportunity. The opportunity is we get to choose, and that's why our relationship with God is, is, uh, is so much deeper. There's a friendship, there's a, there's a closeness that I'm pretty sure the rocks and trees don't feel. Yes, they worship, yes, they acknowledge, but they don't have that because we get to choose. We're not robotic. We don't, have to, we don't just have to love. We don't have to obey. We're not robotic. We get to choose. And so the, the sad part is many don't choose, but we get to choose. So God, there it wasn't. He spoke, and then for us, it might be. It wasn't. He spoke. It might be. Let's look back, look back at that list real quick. Uh, you might feel valuable. You might if you'll receive that promise that the Lord has prophetically given to you. You might, in Genesis 126, accept that you are made in his image, or you might not. You might, or you might not. You might feel no longer like an orphan. Even if you're saved, you might keep on living like you're an orphan, or you might not. If you wanna receive that truth, you might. You might properly relate to your heavenly father because he says you have a heavenly father or you might not. You might accept the fact that you're a new creation and you're not what you were, but you might not. You might realize that, that your salvation is by grace, that your justification is by faith. You might realize that you're a part of the family, the part of the family of God, and you might not. It happens with Abraham, Joseph, Gideon, Peter. We tell their stories today because they did, because they trusted, because they accepted, because they pressed on with the Lord. We would not be telling their story if they didn't. There wasn't, God spoke, it happened because of what, because they were, they were willing. You might fulfill your destiny if you keep trusting God and his story and stay on his path and you might not. Have you ever noticed that it's easier to believe what God says about himself and even about others than it is to believe what he says about you? Now think about this because I, I gave a lot of thought to this. Jesus says in John eight twelve. I am the light of the world. Hallelujah, praise God, amen, I believe it, let's move on. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And then Jesus says in Matthew 5, 14, that you are the light of the world. Hmm, is he for sure about that? How could I possibly be what he is? He was perfect, I'm not. He was God and man. I'm just man. How can I be what he was? Because he said so. Not because you tried hard. Not because you studied hard. Not because you prayed longer. Because he said so. He said, I'm the light of the world. You are the light of the world. We see us as we are, but God sees us as he has called us to be. Bethesda, God is still in the name calling business. And yet as humans, we often find it difficult to do what God has called us to do or to be who God has called us to be. So in conclusion, are the kids still awake? 
I got something special for you. I've been working all week, scared to death it's not going to work, but I got something for you. In conclusion, I believe that you, now let me say it differently. It doesn't matter what I believe. God believes that you will walk in his fullness. God believes that you will do great things, special things, transformational things, unique things, powerful, life-changing things. And praise God because he made us and he knows how we are. Remember, we're made in his image, in his likeness. Because he made us, he already knows that we can have trouble believing that he will use us, that we can be that what he's called us to be. He knows that. And, and yeah, we have enough faith sometimes to believe that he'll do it in her life and in his life, but, and definitely God can do it. It's not, it's not that we don't believe in God, it's just that we don't believe he can do that in us. And he knows that about us. He knows that's kind of hardwired in us. And that is why he has given us so many examples throughout history and even through the, the, the time here on earth that we have. He's given us so many examples, people in the Bible, people that we know that will coax us by their own example, to trust God more, that will encourage us to be who God has called us to be. And so today, in conclusion, I want to show you something. Uh, I want to I I try something that may or may not work. And, uh, and then we're going to pray, and then we're going to take communion. And Pastor Shaler and Miss Brenda are going to lead us in communion today. And I was told that once we're done with communion, you just need to put them communion cups in the little rack, the little holes in your seat, uh, and then we'll pick them up later. So we're going to do communion. And I also, while I'm here, I want to say hi to Ronan. Ronan is watching from home today. I'm playing with water today, and it reminded me about six months ago, I get this call from Ronan's dad. And uh, Ronan had named all of his fish in his new t fish tank, Josh. <laughs> I said, well, which one is all of them? <laughs> it's one of the greatest honors of my life. <laughs> and I, I honestly, I'm pretty sure he changed the names later, but it still, it, it, it just meant, meant a lot to me. So I wanna say hi, Ronan and Cora. Good to see you. Okay, I've got some cups here. Just for the sake of time, we're not going to run through every example that we had today, but I want to, I want to kind of play around here. Let's just say this one here is uh, Abram, okay? So Abram, God says, hey, Abram, if you'll trust me, if you'll believe what I said about you, that I've prophetically spoken over you, then I'll make you a father of a great nation, the father of a multitude, and I'll do through you the impossible. And Abram says, that's heavy, but I'll do it, I'll do it. <laughs> so then Joseph, if you'll trust me, I'll do what I said about you. I will make you increase. And I will use you to rescue and to preserve my people that I love. And I'll make a way for you, though there seems to be no way. And then Joseph says, all right, I'll trust you. And even when he was in Dothan, in the pit, he trusted
And then there was Gideon, love Gideon. If you'll trust me, I'll let you lead my little bitty army and y'all will strike down the enemy. It's going to be glorious. You're going to love it. And you'll be the hero. And you'll probably get free meals when you go to the, the restaurants and all the benefits of that. And that's okay. You can do that. And it's going to be great if you'll trust me. And even though you're a big old chicken, and I know that about you, Gideon, you're a big old fat chicken, there will not be chicken on the menu tonight if you will trust me and you will go. And he said, all right, I'll do it. And then there's you and me. Got two more cups. And it sure is helpful to see examples in the past, right? Because when we see God being faithful to others, it tells us, well, maybe, maybe he'll be faithful to me too. Maybe if I step out, maybe if I trust, he won't leave me hanging. And when you see Abraham and then you see Joseph and you see Gideon, you're like, yeah, 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 that's good, that's really helpful. But those are Old Testament. I mean, he may not do that anymore. And then there's, oh, but what about Peter? He's New Testament. Yeah, oh, that is encouraging. That was the, that's another covenant, and that's great. But, oh, but maybe he doesn't do that anymore. Maybe, maybe it stopped after the, those early, that early church. And he says, no, but, but, but beyond that, like I've, I've seen what Elisa and Stephen are doing, and, I, and I've seen what Patsy's doing, and I've seen how God showed up in Tim's life, and I've seen, oh, my goodness, I'm just all the teen challenge testimonies and how he's walked and just encouraged. Like, if he's done it with them, maybe he would do it with me too. And so then the Lord comes to us, and he says, and I don't know what you're dealing with. I don't know what the Lord's asking you to do, but let's just, just acknowledge that he's asking something of us. We've got two options. We can either say yes or we can say no. Who wants to be an example? Who wants to be my example here? I need a kid. Okay, right there. Yes, pink shirt. Mom, I want you to know I'm making this part up. <laughs> this isn't even in my, my script. What's your name? Skylar. Skylar. Come on, Skylar. Stand right here. Skylar, we can either trust the Lord or we can say no to the Lord. In your life, do you want to trust him or do you want to do it your own way? You want to trust him, okay. Turn that way, I want them to see you. <laughs> because even though you've seen this a few times, it's still a little scary, right? <laughs> Three, two. <laughs> One. Now, Skylar, I am so glad you just tried to trust the Lord because the other one was not. That's good. Thank you very much. You helped us so much. <laughs> All right, church. I want to pray for you. And a good magician never reveals his tricks. And lucky for you, I am not a good magician. In fact, I'm a pastor. <laughs> and so I'll tell you, if you're interested... Look up the word slush powder and you'll learn all about it. Sodium polycrylate is a wonderful thing. <laughs> I want to I pray for you and then we're going to take communion. Uh, and I wanted to kind of get away from the applause because the truth is I'm not, I don't 
I don't really like the hype and the excitement. Yeah, now let's make an emotional decision and let's forget about it by two. I'm not interested in that. As a pastor, I'm interested in, uh, in coaxing you and, and encouraging you to trust the Lord with where he's got you and with what step you're in and the fact that he really is calling us to greater things. And even though we're still in the present and we're still living in the past in some areas, he's calling us to a future. And so if, while I'm talking, if you can imagine a, a place or two in your life where the Lord is calling you to take a, a step of trust, uh, to, to make a decision, and, and it's just been scary, I want you to, to bring that to your forefront of your mind, and, and I want you to make a decision. Am I gonna trust him or am I not? He's been faithful so many times. He's been so faithful. Uh, it's unfair that we keep coming back to him and even doubting, but that's just who we are, and it's in our nature, and I think as we step forward, because he knows who we are and how we respond, I think that makes our step really enjoyable to him. Like, it, we're not robotic. He knows that the step is still hard, even if I've already seen all of you in the room and then the people in the Old Testament all make that step successfully. I'm still like Skylar, I'm going, you know, because it's scary for me, it's scary for you. And yet the Lord is saying, I have something for you. We're going somewhere. Prophetically, I have so much for you. I need you now to partner with me. Be like nature and just let's just do it. Don't be like the humans who, who refuse to, to cooperate and to, and to partner. I'm remembering back to the, the story about the clay, how the, the clay would, uh, I think the Bible would say it like this, the, 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 the potter is molding the clay and then, and it just wouldn't, it wouldn't mold right. It wouldn't run through his hands and he would crumble and start over and crumble it and start over and crumble it and start over. And at some point, he just tossed it. He just tossed it. He says, if you're not gonna work with me, I'm not gonna work with you. We are in this, in this stage where, yeah, we fail, and we, but the Lord's still working with us. The story, he's still trying. So we've got to learn to run, let, let, our, let ourselves run through his hands and let him make something beautiful out of us because he's calling us to greater things. And so if you've got something in your mind, let's just consider it as we go before the Lord. So Lord, um, I pray that you would help us uh, as we lean into you and as we, we, we wanna trust you more, um, we know it's, it's on us. We need to make that step. And, uh, and as people are just sitting there, just kind of chilled, just sitting there, um, as they're making that decision, there are specifics that are attached to all those things. There are, there are decisions that need to be made. There are ways of thinking that need to be adjusted. There are realities that need to be embraced. Whatever it is, with whatever, whatever they're dealing with, uh, just as your kids, we come to you and say, we know you got better for us and we want, we want more. We want what you have for us. And so do the impossible through us. Make a way where there seems to be no way. Direct our paths, make them straight. Those who trust in the Lord, you'll make our paths straight. And I just pray that and I speak that over each and every one of us. And as every one of them, and as each of them make the decision to follow and to trust, would you just show them once again that you're faithful and you've always been faithful and use us to accomplish some great things in our day and our generation. Bless them. Pray your blessing be upon Pastor Dan today as he's recovering from a little stomach bug. Uh, continue to lead us as a church. Lord, we're not where we're going to be, but we're not where we were. And so we continue to let you lead us. We love you. We honor you in Jesus' name. Amen.